uh, 3 through 5. So that's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And as you guys are turning, I kind of want to show you something that I think is, is really cool. And it's this silver little thing right here. This silver little uh, thingamajig is actually, it's a really old pocket knife. And it's a pocket knife that actually belonged to my grandfather. And when my grandfather passed away, he gave it to my father, and my father inherited it. Um, and it's really old, and it's, I'm not going to open it up because it's, it's pretty janky, and it's hard to, hard to get open, and the blades are dull, and they don't really work. So I'm not going to hurt myself up here trying to open this up for you. Um, but I asked my dad how old this pocket knife may be, and he told me that it's, it's pretty, pretty old. And I'm talking for, for you junior hires, this is like pre-2000. And I know that's a long time for you guys, but, but I asked him, and, and he said, more seriously, he said, it's about probably 100 years old uh, because my grandpa had it when he was really young, and, and my dad had seen him use it all the time, and, and he just loves talking about it and, and and it always brings a smile to his face when I, when I ask him about it. But it's something that my father inherited from my grandfather. And it's something maybe one day I'd hope to inherit from my father. So that said, I'm going to put this pocket knife away. And, and I want to talk to you guys about that word, inheritance. Uh, what does it mean to inherit something? Well, it usually just means that it's something that you're handed down. It's the act of handing something down to someone else. Uh, when someone dies, usually uh, it's at like the death of a family member. Uh, they'll leave you an inheritance. And there's a lot of different types of inheritances. It can look like a lot of things. Uh, you can possibly inherit a house. Uh, or if, if you have like a great uncle who, who passed away and left you, uh, left you a great big plot of land in his will. Um, maybe you inherit a car. Um, maybe your great-great-grandfather had like a huge collection of books. He had, a, he had a library in his home, and they kept getting passed down from generation to generation, and you heard a whole bunch of books. I know how much you guys would love to read like 300-year-old books. But uh, uh, another thing that you can inherit is a simple little pocket knife. Now, when we think of the word inheritance as it applies to the Bible, maybe the story of Jacob and Esau comes to your mind. Uh, that's a story of, of Isaac's oldest son, Esau, uh, who was set to inherit uh, uh, the, the blessings and promises given to Isaac by God. Uh, it was his birthright. But uh, instead of accepting this inheritance, he chose to give it up to his younger brother, Jacob, for a bowl of soup. I mean, a bowl of stew. And that might not seem like a big deal to us, but... Uh, in, uh, in Jacob's time, that inheritance was a tremendous blessing. Uh, it was something that people in his day and age would, would do anything to receive. It was an inheritance of wealth, of power. Uh, it was an inheritance of land and blessing. And, but most importantly, it was an inheritance of a unique and special relationship to God. And it was through the line of Abraham and uh, Esau, in his foolishness, 
uh, for a momentary pleasure, for a momentary satisfaction, gave up his inheritance. And by the time he, he learned what he had done, and it was too late. He had lost his inheritance forever. And no matter how hard he tried to get it back, he couldn't. Or you might think of the story of the prodigal son. Now, that's a, a great story about inheritance. And it's a story of a young man who so desperately wanted his inheritance that he demanded it from his father who was still alive. And because his father was still alive, he had no right to this inheritance. He had no right to ask for it. In fact, it was like an insult to his father. It was like telling his father that he wished he was dead so he can just get his money. And I think we all know what happens with that story of the prodigal son. What happens when he receives his inheritance? He chooses to abandon his family, and he takes all the riches and the wealth that he got from his father, and he chooses to spend it on his own sinful desires. He defiles his inheritance and he squanders it. Now we know the story ends with a happy ending, um, but this just goes to show that, that the Bible speaks a lot about this word inheritance and what an inheritance is. Um, another thing that the Bible teaches us, a very important lesson that the Bible teaches us about inheritance is that every single person has an eternal inheritance. Every single person has an eternal inheritance. Whether they're rich or they're poor, whether they're a believer or not, whether they're saved or not, every single person has an eternal inheritance. Matthew 25, 46. I'm going to turn there very quickly. You guys don't have to. Um, but Matthew uh, 25, 46 speaks of those who are uh, accursed, they're, they're worthless, they're sinners, they're people who reject God, people who reject the gospel, people who choose not to believe in Christ, and they are cast out into a place of outer darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and their inheritance is eternal punishment. But uh, verse 46 also speaks of those who are righteous, those who believe the gospel, those who love God, who, who treasure Jesus Christ and have a relationship with God, they are to inherit an, uh, a, an eternal life. They have an, in, an inheritance of eternal life. Now, this just goes out to show that not all inheritances are the same. Some can be very good. Some can be very bad. Some can be temporal, as in they don't last too long, and some can be eternal. In today's passage, uh, this morning, we'll look at the Apostle Peter as he aims to encourage believers to continue trusting in God because of what God has done for them in the past and what God promises to do for them in the future. In this passage, Peter will clearly show us that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead has purchased our inheritance and that God's power guarantees that we will receive it. That being the case, the title of today's sermon is An Assurance of Inheritance. And the big idea for today is understanding is this. It's understanding God's plan for our future should motivate us to put our faith and hope in him. Understanding God's plan for our future 
should motivate us to put our faith and hope in him. With that in mind, let's read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. Again, we see here uh, Peter's intent, Peter's desire for these believers is that they would know this blessed inheritance that God has given them, that they would know that it has been achieved through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ And it is unlike anything else that they know on this earth and that God promises to keep it for them. This brings us to our first point, and that's the means of our inheritance. Verse 3, I'll read it again. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here in verse 3 of chapter 1, Peter teaches us that the resurrection is the foundation of our inheritance. He desires his people, his, his audience, his readers to remember the truth of the gospel. That the resurrection is the key to the kingdom of God. That it's through the resurrection that man is born again into a living hope. It's the gospel. Peter here is, is urging these believers. He's urging them and, and reminding them to, to think of the gospel by which they've been saved. It's the gospel of God's great mercy. And, and what is this? What is this gospel? It's, it's simply the, the story of God sending down his very own son, to die in the place of sinners, sending him down, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, coming down to earth and living as a man, living as a man in perfect obedience in the will and love of God. Jesus Christ loved God as as every man is called to with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he obeyed every commandment that we never could. And Jesus Christ chose to go up on the cross and die for sinners like me, sinners like you, sinners who have no chance at redemption, sinners who are under the wrath and judgment of God and and were set to inherit eternal punishment. At this resurrection, this gospel story teaches us that, that Jesus Christ, the perfect God, the perfect man died in the place of sinners and that his blood covers sinners so that our sins are placed on him and the righteousness of him is placed on us. And then he dies on the cross, suffering the full wrath of God that we deserve, the full judgment of God that sinners deserved. And then he was born, he was resurrected He was resurrected from the dead, and in him we are born again. We are given new life. 
And in his resurrection is victory over death. In his resurrection is new life. And, and Peter wants us to know this, and he's showing us this. He says that the resurrection has caused us to be born again. We've gone from a place of spiritual death with no relationship to God and born again into his kingdom, born again as sons and daughters of the living God. And we're born into a living hope. It is not a dead hope that, that we had before, but it is as alive as our Savior. It is, it is alive as, as Jesus Christ, as he was risen, so our hope is alive. And it's this living, this living hope. It's through the resurrection of Jesus. It's the key. It's the foundation. It's the means by which our inheritance has been sealed. It's been accomplished because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And the beauty of, of this is, is Peter showing he's, these believers, Peter showing us what God has done for us in the past. And that the resurrection has already happened. It's a fact. It cannot be changed. And just as we can't change the, the, the actions of yesterday, we can't change the events of yesterday, neither can we change this, this blessed resurrection. It can't be taken back. It can't be annulled. It can't be undone. It's a fact. It has happened. And because of this resurrection, we've been granted a living hope. And eternal inheritance. Jesus Christ, by his own work, has accomplished the means of us receiving this inheritance. And this is what Peter's trying to teach us in verse 3. He wants these believers to know that they've been born again, that they have a living hope, that they have an inheritance, that it is theirs because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this brings us to our second point, and this is the measure of our inheritance. How is our inheritance measured? What does it look like? What are the qualities of our inheritance? What, 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 what sort of inheritance has, has God so lovingly given us? This eternal life, this kingdom of heaven, what does it look like? And Peter's uh, intent will read, as, as, as we read verses uh, Four to five, it says, it's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And I know that's a lot of words. It's a lot of complicated words, it seems. And, and there's, a, there's a lot in that verse. But here, Peter is, is simply trying to show us that this inheritance is like anything else. It's not like anything else we know. It's not like anything else that we can experience on this earth. It's so superior. It's so different. It's so much more excellent than anything we could experience here on this earth, than any inheritance we could receive here on this earth. It is far superior. It's preeminent. It's wonderful. And he uses... Three words, three beautiful words, and, and I love these three words. Um, it's almost like, it's almost like Peter, it, it, he can't describe this, this inheritance. He can't describe the kingdom of heaven. He can't really describe eternal life. He doesn't really have the words for it, so he chooses to explain it by things that it is not. 
um, I looked this up earlier, and, and it's called a, a negative definition or a negative adjective. And I had enough trouble when, when they started adding the alphabet to mathematics. Now they're adding mathematics to the alphabet, and I want no part of it. But it's called a, neg- a negative adjective, describing something by what it's not. And, and I don't know if you guys have ever been to the doctor's office. I know. I think Josh has been there recently. If you can see him with a sling, I don't mean to pick on him. But, but if you've been to the doctor uh, or you've hurt something and you go to see a physical therapist, I used to work at a physical therapist clinic. So when people usually get hurt and they come and they're trying to describe what's wrong with them, they'll usually say, oh, man, like my arm hurts. And it's like, okay, well, that doesn't tell us much. Um, But then we'll start asking them, or doctors will start asking them, or their physical therapists will start asking them, well, what kind of pain are you feeling? Is it like a a stabbing pain? No, it's not really a stabbing pain. Is it it like a tingling pain? No, it's it's not really a tingling pain. Is it a burning pain? No, it's it's not really a burning pain. Okay, Um, what else? Is, Is it an aching pain? No, I wouldn't say it's an aching pain. It just hurts. And then you just kind of stare at them and just be like, all right, well, whatever you were doing, stop doing it. But Peter is so amazed by this kingdom of God, by this eternal life, by this inheritance, that he uses words that, that, that give an idea of what it's like. And he uses these three words, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Once again, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Now, these three words, I love them. And and I often find myself, when I think of heaven and I think of God's promise to us, I I think of these three words and they they often come to my mind. The word imperishable means that that it's something that, that can't be destroyed. The word undefiled means it's something that's pure, that it's not tainted by sin. And the word unfading means that it is without decay and it's not affected by time. And Peter here is, is, is comparing this present life to eternal life. He's, he's comparing these present days and this life on earth to the eternal life that we'll one day have in heaven. And unlike this life in heaven, unlike this world, heaven, our eternal kingdom, our eternal inheritance, it is imperishable. It can't be destroyed. It is undefiled. It is not tainted by sin. Even the most amazing things here in this life, even the most amazing uh, 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 feats of men, even even the most genuine and and loving feats of of, of people are tainted by sin. Because we live in a fallen world, even even the, the, the beauty of nature is prone to decay. It, is, it has been defiled, and, and the intentions of men and, and, and the hearts of men have been defiled by sin. But this eternal kingdom is undefiled. It is not tainted by sin. There is no sin in it. It is perfect. It is pure. It is lovely. It is beautiful. And the, last, uh, uh, the next word he uses is unfading. Unfading. And I was trying to think of how I could describe this word to you guys, but it's kind of just just straightforward. It, it, it means what it means. It's something that will not fade away. It's something that is not altered by time. Now, if you think, if you think 
of maybe if you think of when you first started playing a video game and it was like your favorite video game and you played it every single day and then a couple months go by and you're just like, eh, I don't, I don't really feel like playing that game anymore. It's just not the same. You can say that your interest in that game has faded away or, or maybe it's that song that just comes out and you're just like, man, this is a bop. I love this. This is a great song, and you're just playing it on repeat all day, every day. Headphones blasting. You can't hear what your parents are saying. They're like, they're like back in the day, people used to have stereos, and they'd just blast them in their room, and their mom would come up at them and yell at them because they're playing the same song every single day. But, but what happens when we usually do that, when we just keep repeating a song over and over and over? It feels like each time our our enjoyment of it kind of fades away a little more and a little more, and eventually you're not really listening to that song anymore. That is so much unlike the kingdom of God. It's so much like, unlike the, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven will never fade away. Our inheritance in God will never fade away. God's love for us will never fade away. As much as he loved us, When he chose to go up on the cross and die for us, he loves us that much every moment of our lives. And for eternity, it is unfading. These three words describing the kingdom of heaven, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Wow. How amazing is this? How amazing an inheritance is this? How wonderful, how how almost too good to be true, but it is. It is is the truest. It is the most true truth. It is undeniable because it is God's word. And God's word is truth. And, and Peter, you can see his amazement in, in describing this, this eternal inheritance that the believer has. But he doesn't stop there. As, as amazing as all this is, he continues to go. And he says that it is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, but it's also an inheritance that is kept. It's an inheritance that God in his very power keeps for us. It's an inheritance kept in heaven that no moth or rust can reach or destroy. God's power keeps this inheritance. It ensures this inheritance. It guarantees this inheritance. But not only is this inheritance kept, verse 5 teaches us that we ourselves, by God's power, are being guarded. So not only is this inheritance imperishable, not only is it undefiled and unfading, not only does God keep it for us and protect it for us and make sure nothing can, can destroy it or take it away, he also keeps us for our inheritance. He guarantees that we will receive it because he keeps us and he guards us. That, that there's nothing more powerful than God, that, 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 that there's nothing that can rip you away from his grasp. That if he has caused you to be born again, that if you believe in the gospel, that if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have attained this inheritance and God will guarantee that you receive this inheritance. He will keep it and he will keep you. You have been sealed. And it says that you have been sealed 
until the last time. Did you been guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time? And this, this verse, the last time, what's that referring to? What does that mean? It's talking about Christ and his return. It's reminding the believer that one day Jesus Christ will return to this earth. And that our inheritance will be kept until that day. That as sure as that day is, believe me, Jesus Christ will return. The Bible says that he will return. And our salvation will be found in him. As sure as that day is, just as sure is, is, is the fact that you will receive your inheritance when he returns. So Peter here, in these amazing verses, is teaching us. He's teaching us the means of our inheritance and the measure of our inheritance. He's teaching us that, that our inheritance has been sealed. It's been, it's been accomplished. Uh, it's been bought and purchased through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that is an inheritance unlike anything else in this earth, far superior. And that it's an inheritance that's guarded and kept for us. And we are guaranteed that we will receive it through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So why does this passage matter? What, what does it teach us? What, what is the significance of this lesson? What's the significance of this message? Well, you see, in, in the time of Peter, as he's writing this letter, the believers he's writing to, the people that he's writing to, are, are suffering great times of trial and persecution. They are, in verse 1, they're called exiles. They're elect exiles, which means that they're believers, but it calls them exiles. And, and, and this might refer to them being uh, taken away from their homeland where, where they lived and, and being, being uh, uh, cast away into a foreign land. And they're strangers in a foreign land. And, and the thing about strangers in a foreign land is, is that they have no inheritance. They've lost everything. There's nothing to be handed down to them. They've had to start over somewhere new. Or, or it could also refer to, to uh, a believer who, who has been disowned by his family because of his faith. That, that he has become an exile in his very own society because he chooses to follow Jesus. And his family have disowned him and rejected him. And he has no part in inheritance anymore. So these words, this, this beloved truth that, that Peter is, is teaching to these believers is so important to them. It matters to them. In their times of trial and suffering, when they feel like turning away and going back and abandoning the faith and just living a simpler and easier life, Peter encourages them to look back into the past, look back into what God has done for them and to look into the future of their hope. And, 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 and he's, he's trying to, to increase their hope and strengthen their faith and, and help them to live godly lives in, in their present age. And, and why does that matter to us? 
what, 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 what significance is that to us? Well, you see, just like the believers of Peter's time, we as believers today will also face trials, will also face persecution or suffering or hard times. Maybe, maybe you're a, a young believer here who's, who's had a, a, a really good life, who's, who's enjoyed God's blessings and, 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 and really doesn't, hasn't had any trials or any, any sufferings. And, and they can just say, man, man, life is actually pretty good. Maybe you got to go to summer camp and you had the time of your life and maybe you were on Team Bowser and you just dominated everyone and you, and you won and you, shout out Team Bowser. Um, maybe, maybe you had the best time of your life. Maybe life is really good. To that young believer, scripture says that one day their faith will be tested. One day they will go through trials. And when those trials come, God urges us. When God God tells us, instructs us in this passage to look back into the past to the gospel that we have believed and to look into the future to the inheritance that we will be given so that we might find strength to endure. Uh, You might be a young believer tonight, I'm sorry, today, that has suffered a lot in in their short time here. Maybe you've had to deal with things that no one else has had to deal with and things that no one else will ever have to deal with. To that believer who's maybe losing hope, who's maybe discouraged, who's, who's having a really hard time just, just believing in God, Scripture encourages us, continue looking back at the gospel. Remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look forward to that eternal inheritance that you have. Find strength to continue in the faith. So what should this cause us to do? We've talked about what this inheritance is, how it's been achieved, the measure of it, and why it matters. So what should it cause us to do? It's simple. It should cause us to bless God, as Peter says in in Verse 3, it should cause us to thank God and appreciate God for all that he's done and all that he promises he will do. It should cause us to love God. As verse 8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. You should love God for all that he's accomplished for you. And it should encourage your faith. It It should encourage you to hold on to your faith till that salvation of your souls till till the outcome of your faith is achieved so i'd i'd say to you here today if you are someone who does not believe in the gospel if you do not care for god or or this inheritance i'd plead with you this morning to accept jesus christ as your lord and savior to repent of your sins, to believe in the gospel, to believe that he died for you. Because whatever you put your hope in in this life, whatever you choose to trust more than God, whether that be your own feats or accomplishments or your own goodness or your, your, your own intelligence or strength, that one day, that hope, it will perish. One day, that hope, 
will fade away. That hope is defiled. It is not pure. I'd encourage you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that you may have a true hope, a living hope, that you may be born again to an imperishable and undefiled and unfading inheritance, one that is kept for you in which you are guarded, in which you are guarded by God. I'd encourage you to believe in the gospel. If you are a believer, if you are someone who loves God and, and, and wants to obey him and, and, and finds joy in knowing him, I'd encourage you to hold on to these truths when times of trial come and to know that you have an eternal glory waiting for you because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let us pray. Most Heavenly Father, we we love you so much. We thank you, O Lord, for the tremendous gift that you have given to us, for this tremendous inheritance accomplished by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Lord, I pray that one day we will see you in all your glory, God, when we inherit this kingdom. We love you. Thank you. Amen.